And good morning, everybody. You are listening to Action Line on KNOI. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio today, I'm a very a special guest today. I have the executive director and CEO of the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation, Devin Mitchell. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. It's nice to have you in here. And before we continue, I am going to specify a couple of things here for folks, which is that the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation is an independent state-owned corporation that manages and invests the assets of the permanent fund. It is not the Department of Revenue who handles your PFD application. I want to say that part now. So if anyone tries to call in a problem corner after the show, that these are different entities. So I'm saying that part right now. I would also note that more than 50% of the state's general fund comes from the earnings of the permanent fund with the draw of the next fiscal year being about $3.7 billion. Now that I've done that, I do have a couple of questions here for you. And we don't hit all of them in the first half because it is a two-part show. But my first question for you is, you have been with the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation as its executive director for about a year now. So what would, how would you summarize your last year on the job? So as a preface to that, I might just give a little background that I, I'm from Alaska. So I, I was born in Cordova, lived in Yakutat, and then grew up primarily in Juneau. So went to Harborview, Marie Drake, and Juneau Douglas High School. And so for me to have been given an opportunity to work at the Permanent Fund Corporation was what I might have considered an unattainable goal at, at points in in my living here in the past. So this year has been a, a great opportunity for me and a challenge for me to increase my skills to be able to perform on a larger stage. I have a lot of history working in state government with the legislature, with the public cor- a different public corporation of the state. And this was an opportunity to show off the skills that I've developed over the years in, the, in, in those areas. And so I, I've been able to see a rapport develop within the management team and the staff of the corporation. We've had made great strides in diminishing the vacancies that we had been experiencing in the corporation. So we've diminished our vacancy rate from around 25% down to around 6% currently. And so we've made some real positive strides as far as the workplace environment and our efforts to perform the work of the, of the corporation, which is investing the permanent fund to the best of our abilities. Okay. Now, you mentioned in there the, the vacancies. Do you, would you be able to talk maybe about why we were having that vacancy going on? The Permanent Fund Corporation had a period of turmoil. Um, people that are familiar with the corporation would be aware that the, we had an acting executive director for just under a year, and there was some controversy about the last exe- executive directors leaving the corporation that I think had resulted in some internal um, management issues and uncertainty about the culture and the corporation in general that led to greater difficulty in finding staff. And I believe and hope that we now have returned to more stable ground. We've come out of that uncertainty and folks see the value of working at the organization, uh, both from an ability to provide something back to the state through the work that we do, as well as um, a a great place to work. Okay. 
Now, my next question for you is a lot more kind of about the operations of the Permanent Fund Corporation, which is talk to me a bit more about some of the investments that are taken and the strategies that are used to manage the assets of the Permanent Fund. The Permanent Fund has a sophisticated asset allocation and investment policy. We have, we have eight different asset classes. We have around 45% of our portfolio in, in what are called private market investments. That would include real estate, private income and private equity, which most lay people, most residents of the state don't, I mean, they understand real estate. This is commercial real, real estate, so it's a, a little more sophisticated than, than your home, but it's the same concept um, on a commercial basis and in markets across the country and around the world. But um, the private income and, and private equity asset allocations are a little more sophisticated still. I, I would maybe say that we would have an asset class manager in here to describe those because it's that type of in-depth uh, discussion that's required really to provide uh, an understanding. But just folks should understand that they're long-lived, less liquid, meaning that we it's, it's kind of like if you buy a business in a community versus owning a stock in the stock market, very easy to sell the stock in the stock market, not as easy to sell the private business in the community. And it's something akin to that for people to think about when they think about illiquid uh, and longer lived. And then in addition to that, we have uh, our largest asset allocation is public equities, so stocks, and then uh, bonds, we have a large fixed income portfolio as well. Uh, and then hedge funds, absolute return. So we, we have a a dedicated team of investment professionals that work on putting together the right mix of those various asset classes to achieve the highest expected performance over the long term. Okay. And then, so speaking about, you know, obviously it's, those are investments are spread out. They're not in heavily in any one category. Obviously you mentioned that there are stocks in there though. And so my question kind of to build off of that is I know there's been some concerns about the permanent fund fiscally and like, kind of maybe I think the big one is trying to get that value of the PFD to be back up higher. Could you talk on that a little bit? Um, well, as far as the the transfers that occur from the Alaska Permanent Fund to the state of Alaska, those are incredibly stable. It's based on a historical fund value calculation. So the last five completed fiscal years average balance, 5% of that is transferred to the state each year. So this this year that we're in right now, it's around 3.5 billion. It's growing to 3.7 billion next year, and that's very stable. The concerns that we've raised have really been about the construct of the permanent fund. We have a construct that's historical in nature. It made a lot of sense when the permanent fund was created back in the 1970s, and the investments of the permanent fund were all in fixed income securities, bonds where you were clipping coupons, you were getting these cash flows in on a quarterly or monthly basis, and then you were receiving your principal back, and that was the investment category. Like I said a moment ago, we now have eight asset classes. We're focused on total return, not realized income, Clipping coupons, that's one way of realizing income. Uh, and so realized income is what becomes available for expenditure from the permanent fund. Unrealized income is not. So we might have had a gain in an asset class, but we haven't sold it yet. That's when you realize it. And so as a result, it's not available to spend. And that's 
what's causing some concern right now is that spendable portion. It's not that we don't have liquidity. We have, we're making plenty of money. It's not that that's not happening. It's that we don't have the right definitions about what we have as available to expend. Okay. Then I guess maybe I should have maybe rephrased that question of how are we choosing to handle that spendable portion? Like, Because from what I've been seeing, there's been talks about trying to kind of increase the overall value of the permanent fund corporation from its current amount to, I'm trying to think, I know it was by a couple billion more than it already is. That Mm -hmm. was from my understanding. I just can't remember the exact number off the top of my head. And so that was kind of what I was hoping to maybe learn maybe about some of the strategic plan there. I know exactly. I have a question right here for it. The board of trustees decided to wait for the approval of the strategic plan so that the Alaska public could provide feedback. So... Maybe talk to me about that strategic plan and some of the things involved there. I know maybe is opening the op- the building in Anchorage part of that plan. Yeah, the strategic the strategic plan has been uh, around a six month process at this point, and so we've been working with initially a subsect of the board and now the full board to identify goals for the organization. And one of the goals that was identified was altruistically a a target of $100 billion for the permanent fund. That there was some discussion in in different potential approaches about how quickly to get to $100 billion. And that is where you start getting into, if if you want to get to $100 billion more quickly, that requires more risk. How much risk is acceptable for the permanent fund? And there's a balance because, first of all, our charge is to keep the money safe. Second of all, to maximize return. So we don't want to unnecessarily put assets at risk in the hope of shooting the lights out with our investments, at the same time having the risk of, of falling off the table if, if we have a negative experience. Because when you put risk on it, it, it both increases your highs and it also increases your lows. So the, the, the strategic plan is in its, I don't know, fifth iteration right now. We anticipate um, prior to our February uh, meeting having the public have an opportunity to provide some comments. As far as the Anchorage office goes, that was part of our prior strategic plan, and it was just implemented this this fall. We were able to have kind of stick our toe in the pool sort of an experience by it's, we're leasing some space from DOT and public facilities that was occupied by DEC but is currently unutilized in, uh, in Anchorage near the Sheraton building at 555 Cordova Street. And our lease cost is relatively low. We have some staff that are moving to uh, occupy that office that wanted to live in Anchorage, um, some new staff that preferred Anchorage, so two new staff that preferred Anchorage to, to living in Juneau. And so we'll wind up with six employees in that office, and we're going to see how that works with the the corporate dynamic of having that satellite office, uh, as well as if additional staff wants to move to the space and then make uh, our decision on how to move forward from there. Gotcha. On that, we will move into our break. When we come back, I'll have a couple of more questions for you. You are listening to Action Line on KINY.
And we are back with more Action Line on KNY. Joining me still, I have Executive Director and CEO of the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation, Devin Mitchell. Now, my next question for you is really just, and I feel like I should have asked this during the first half, which is on me, but how is the fund doing as a, overall? How is the fund performing? The fund's performing well, and it might sound um, unreasonable to say that if you looked at our quarterly returns because they were negative. Uh, for the first quarter of the fiscal year. So our fiscal year starts July 1. And so that that uh, quarter ending in October uh, was negative. The performance was negative. But despite that negative performance, it was negative 1.8%. The fund outperformed a passive benchmark, which would mean where you don't have tilts on, you're not making bets, you're just buying the benchmark. That's the electronically traded fund type option. So we outperformed that something around 4%. And we outperformed our benchmark. The benchmark is aligned with the active management that we do. So a closer comparison to what we're actually trying to achieve. And we outperformed that as well. uh, Something in in the line of 75 basis points. And so the... um, the fund, since the end of the quarter, November was a, a rebound month, and so we've actually returned to positive territory in, in the near term and expect our, ne- our next quarterly report to reflect a little bit better performance. And remember, when we're talking about our, our asset allocation, it's, it's not designed to, to each and every quarter create positive returns. It's designed to outperform our benchmark in the in the passive index. And over the long term, we expect it to have that positive performance. And when you look over the shoulder at the past 5, 10, 15, 30 years, you see that. Gotcha. So my next question kind of to stem off of that is, how... In what way does the fund help with the governor's proposed budget? Because he revealed his budget yesterday. So how, what role does the permanent fund play in that? So in 2018, the state shifted, to, um, shifted its use of the Alaska permanent fund. Prior to that, the only thing that was paid for from the permanent fund were permanent fund dividends. So there, were lesser, there was a lesser use of the, the permanent fund than we have at this point. Um, and so... The percent of market value construct for the draws on the permanent fund were created in 2018, implemented in 2019. So for the coming fiscal year, FY 2025, it'll be starting July 1 of 2024 through June 30, 2025. That... Revenue contribution from the permanent fund is going to be around $3.7 billion. So from an unrestricted general fund component, which is one of the primary ways that the state um, determines its budget or defines its budget, that's a majority of that uh, budget is going to be provided from the permanent fund. And that's been the case since the POMV was instituted. So it's very important to not just the permanent fund dividend, which is part of the governor's budget proposal and will be part of the end budget proposal, but in addition, funding schools, funding public safety, funding transportation, all of the things, health care, that the state otherwise provides for are, are also in part now supported by the transfer from the permanent fund. Okay. 
So my next question is, and this kind of stems back to something I mentioned earlier. Like I said before, the Board of Trustees decide to wait on the approval of that strategic plan to allow the public to provide comment. How can the public do that? We plan to use a tool called Smart Comment that apparently the we, we haven't used it historically. The Permanent Fund Corporation hasn't. I've seen it uh, being used by DOT and DEC and some of the other agencies that work directly with the public on a regular basis and solicit comments. And so it's a, a platform where you can enter your name, um, the the location that you live, and then provide a comment on a document. And you will be able to see other comments that were provided as well. So it's it's almost like where you there might look at uh, a, a social media site and there's comments allowed and you can see the, the prior comments and you can make your own comment. It'll be a format similar to that, but it won't be anonymous. Okay. Gotcha. Now, my next question is, now recently the board voted to change its governance charters to update the executive director evaluation process. So what does that entail? So there's a court case that was issued in the early 1990s um, that determined that state law doesn't protect certain personnel files. So normally people believe they're employee personnel files are confidential and it's the case in the vast majority of of instances throughout both government as well as obviously in the private sector it was in this court decision there was a um a standard that was determined where somebody is the lead of an agency that their their personnel records are in fact then disclosable and, and moving back to the the last executive directors uh, leaving the corporation her personnel file wound up being provided to the press as a result of a FOIA request and, and, and it surprised a lot of people that that was was the case so one of one of our priorities has been to and, and it really hasn't been me because it's been the board that's been driving this discussion is protecting the employee. So protecting myself in this case from having what could be embarrassing or damaging constructive criticism comments from my evaluators, which in this my case is the board of directors, uh, being provided to the general public and the damage that might do to the corporation or myself's reputation. So the board decided that they would eliminate a written evaluation process. So we just went through this yesterday and instead of having them provide me written comments, we had an oral evaluation where they they had me provide my thoughts on the contributions that I'd made to the organization over the past year and then provided me some constructed some constructive criticism um, and then they reconvene they they then had a conversation amongst themselves without me in the room reconvened and I, I believe that if somebody were listening and concerned that I that that wasn't a public, that there isn't some document that they can look at to see how I was doing in the board's eyes over the course of the last year. I think their actions um, would show that they thought I was doing a good job. They, they elected to provide a pay increase of 10% in the coming year. And so to me, that's 
more than if I were doing an average job or a substandard job, certainly. Um, I, would, I would not be, in my view, uh, it wouldn't be appropriate for them to have suggested that adjustment to pay. And so I, the f I, I, so I, it's, it's a, a limited ability to provide information because of the intent of the board and the desire to, to not find themselves in a situation where their comments are being provided to the public and used inappropriately, but the feedback was generally positive. Okay. Now, I want to kind of open up the open up the sort of the floor here is there any other really big things that you feel like the public should know about the permanent fund corporation and the fund itself i think the biggest issue is one of the other topics that the board discussed in, uh, in the board meeting yesterday is trustee paper number 10 and it relates back to that issue about the two account system and the potential of the earnings reserve account, the spendable portion of the permanent fund being deficient in a future year. We've done some modeling both internally as well as externally using a variety of um, deterministic or probabilistic models. And there is a, in the current construct, there is a statistically significant chance of failure that is an inability for the permanent fund to provide the full POMB transfer to the state, not because we're not making money, but because there's not this category of realized earnings because of the construct of the portfolio, which is trying to maximize return over the long haul, um, that that is concerning enough that people should be talking about it. And to really change the construct would include a, a constitutional amendment requirement um, to truly protect the permanent fund make it a sovereign wealth fund slash endowment for the state of Alaska that has clearly defined spending rules in perpetuity, that would require a constitutional amendment. And that's very difficult to consider, but I think to the extent people can think about the importance of the permanent fund, think about it not just for themselves and their in, in their potential receipt of a dividend, but also to the state and funding all the state services they rely on and the need for it to continue into the future, just like we want there to be salmon in the streams in the future. We want the permanent fund to be there to do its its job in the future. And so um, be supportive, be engaged. That would be my biggest takeaway. Gosh, well, on that, we will be wrapping up the show. I'd like to thank you very much for coming in. I do appreciate it. And I'd also note for the listeners, this is my last show of the year. There will be no more action line going in through the rest of this month. We will hopefully be back in January. But on that, Devin, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate having the chance to talk to you. Thanks. All righty. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY.